Yo, 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 what's up guys, Nate here, what is this, episode 6 now? We are on episode 6, we've, uh, it's 3 months now, hey. Episode 6 of the Poketalk Podcast, kind of going by quick, I mean, we only do this bi-weekly, but man, sure seems to go pretty fast when you're just nailing them out every couple weeks and been having fun doing it. What you been up to, Philip? Yeah, absolutely. I love uh, doing my little research between each uh, episode and learn a little bit more about the hobby and can utilize that for a podcast. I, it's uh, really enjoyable. Yep. You been up to anything new or what's been going on uh, with you in the collecting world? Well, I uh, did buy some Comia cards for my binder collection. I think I'm missing now 100. Nice. It's approximately 100. Yeah. And, uh, I have gone far in The Walking Dead. I'm about halfway in the comics, so I'm uh, really enjoying things right now. (laughs) Yeah, I've been kind of in a selling mood. I think I may have said this before, like every once in a while, you know, over time you just accumulate things or you make buys that you're not really focused on for a certain goal or whatnot. So I'm just feeling the urge to like shave off the extra stuff and maybe put that money towards like you know, my more focused goals again. So I was just kind of feeling cluttery with my collection and had like a couple random set cards that I might not need or can put at the end of the once list or something like that. So kind of selling some stuff, which is always hard for me. Like I like that stuff I store away. It's, I want to keep for some reason or another, but I really don't need it and it would be best placed somewhere else in my collection. So every once in a while I do this, I just kind of shift things around. So that's kind of what I've been up to. I always like to remind you, are you making the right decision? Yeah. It's, you know, like I always try to remind you when you're trying to get, when you get in a little bit of a selling frenzy, like think twice, <laughs> i.e. the 20th or the 20th anniversary Battlefest uh, promo, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm much more careful now, but I sell, yeah. I'm only selling graded things. So that's, that's the thing. And yeah, they might go up like one of them's a Neo Umbreon, which one of my favorite cards, but Mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to get a copy of that for my set binder. And so I'll have a copy and I could put that money towards, you know, finishing that or doing something else and I can just revisit it later. So every time I sell something, the money goes right back into the hobby most times. So it's just kind of a rinse and repeat type thing for me. But mm-hmm. Anyway, let's talk about our topic today just real quick. Our topic today is going to be our Pokemon team and their relevance to the hobby. You think of a Pokemon team, for me, as being like your top six favorite Pokemon. Um, I think that's kind of most people. You know, they might not be your favorites always, but... A team in Pokemon is usually six, so we just took that, and we're going to make our top six favorite Pokemon and kind of touch on some things on why they're relevant to us, why they might be liked by other people, are they strong in the TCG, in the video games, like why are they popular, or why are they not so popular. So we just thought it would be a cool episode and kind of fun just to share with everyone our favorite Pokemon as of now, and gonna have some honorable mentions as well yeah i uh, should be fun. i got a whole whole tier two of ones that just couldn't make the cut that 
I feel like I have to give a shout out at the very least towards the end. Yeah, I have a list too. <laughs> I feel like my one, two, and three, and probably four are really strong. Yeah. But I mean, my four maybe, but my five and six could all be maybe interchanged with a lot of my honorable mentions. But yep. first, uh, let's check out some news. A lot of it kind of around Pokemon Go because we got yes, it is. some GoFest and TCG news. But uh, that might be the talk of the summer because it's shaping up to be kind of the biggest announcement here in 2022 and uh, seems to be the most hype. But uh, first, let's see what you got about GoFest. So... We still don't have all the information towards GoFest. Uh, Niantic did release recently the details regarding the global GoFest. Now, they it uh, shouldn't be a surprise that they have a global event again. Um, I think last year they made something like a billion dollars or something like that. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it was, it was something ridiculous how much money they made in, in a few days for the yeah. global event. So it shouldn't be surprised that it's occurring again this year. Um, now, we still don't know much about the in-person event. Uh, we don't know. I mean, we know the cities, right? But we still don't know the actual parks or anything. Um, but what they released for the global event was it's going to be a two-day event, which would be great because the Kanto tour with – or not the Kanto, but the Johto tour was just uh, a one-day. And it's like you got to prioritize what you want. You got a lot of these Pokemon – you got, like, like, for example, Corsola was in the raid, but then you had a bunch of other Pokemon that – that were that you had to catch so it's like you had to prioritize between raids and catching and the two days allows you to break that up um so day one they are doing what they've done in the past they're having rotating habitats uh so i imagine what this will be like is it will have you'll do all four for one rotation so four hours and then it'll be done again so you'll have two opportunities to really hit whatever uh, habitat you're trying to go for. Um, that's what they did in other GoFest, right? Mm -hmm. Like in-person yeah. events? Yeah, they've had some where it was like, uh, it might have been the 2021 where it was like 10 or like 11, 12 hours or something like that. And there was six different, uh, it, wasn't ha it wasn't habitats, it was like types and they had six different ones, and they rotated it uh, twice. Um, so you had plenty of opportunity, or you had multiple opportunities. Like, say you couldn't play in the morning, and but you did in the afternoon. So it allows you to uh, potentially get a shiny that you're really trying to hit. Um, now, there are a few shiny uh, Pokemon that are going to make their release. Uh, I'm not, not going to go into all of them, but the biggest one was the Axu, and, or the whole Axu line, and then... Unknown B. Uh, for me, I'm all about the unknowns. Um, the unknown B, I really want. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, there's some cool shinies that, that, that they're releasing. Um, there also is a Pikachu with a Shaman hat. Yay. Uh, oh, nice. It's almost become a meme. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool. It is cool, but uh, it's almost become a meme. Just like, let's just throw a hat on yeah. some sort of Pokemon and we'll just, we'll just make that an event. <laughs> yeah um, that's kind of i mean honestly that's you know going back to our big go discussion a couple episodes yeah. ago that, that's kind of what turned me off because like being competitive like i feel like you have so much more fun in pokemon go not being competitive 
because you're always chasing like, oh, this hat variant, this shiny hat variant yeah. and all that craziness. So it just got to me like it was too much. But like I said, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm anxious to play again just to casually have fun. These events, I always have ridiculous luck when it comes to the Pikachu. <laughs> like, it never fails. Every single year, I've gotten the shiny variant. Every single year. Um, so I'm, I'm not too worried about that. But one th- cool thing about this year's GoFest is um, they're having three different tiers uh, for difficulty. Relax, Standard, and Master difficulty. And where you can specify, do you want to catch, explore, or battle focus? So that would be catching or your research quests or doing... Uh, battles. Um, I usually choose the catch one. Now it is pretty cool having these three different tiers. So if you don't want to be gr- out there grinding the event, you might want to choose like the st- the standard event or like the relax event. I'm going to choose the master part. Uh, I mean, there's no other tier that's that's worth my time, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but and I'm sure I, I the think- master event like. According to like hardcore players, won't be that hard. That hard, because yeah. I mean, it's, it's catered for casual people. Still, I'm sure. Yeah, it is, and it's just the I, basic I, event's I, gonna be like children, children. <laughs> mm-hmm. I imagine the core rewards on these will be the same for all three, but I imagine, or I hope, anyways, that if you do the math difficulty, you have higher secondary rewards. So, like more dust, more rare candies. Now there will be a challenge for the landform shaman that will be available. Uh, so pretty much how this usually works is it's one and done for the mythicals. Most of them, anyways, you do a research, a special research quest, and that's how you obtain the the, the Pokemon. And now day two, again, it's going to be more raid focused, but there's also going to be a unknown Pokemon making its five star raid debut. I think it's going to be Arceus. Uh, I know some people online think it's Zygarde. Uh, and yeah, what people are looking at online is like uh, historically um, Niantic has hidden, not really hidden, but it's kind of like in the background a little bit. And there's this one little area by P- Pikachu's tail. <laughs> like they, they try to zoom in and they're like, oh, this is Zygarde. I'm like, what are you looking at? Okay. <laughs> Well, Zygarde's are... <laughs> pretty far ahead too. Yeah, and right. Plus, I mean, Arceus it's... makes sense with the with the recent set and all that. But yeah, I mean, it's not a guarantee because I thought that would be the the reward potentially. Um, and with Shaman coming... being in there, you know that Jin, you know they're just yeah. adding to that. Yeah, so you'll be able to have two days to be able to participate. Um, it's always a good time. It, if you're a casual player, these sort of events are really worth it playing. The tickets are 15 bucks. I think they are a little more expensive than last year, but still, it's 15 bucks isn't that much, and it's two days worth of playing. I enjoy it personally. Uh, I, if you are a casual player or just, or you're not sure about coming back to Pogo, I think it's worth it just to go ahead and try it out. You'll ha- you'll have a great time, and honestly, it's always fun playing with friend- friends during the events it really is yeah yeah that's what it's all about there yeah the uh other big news in pokemon go is the reveal of some of the not only the product line but some of the cards yeah so we got you know big news in all tcg history gonna be the pokemon go tcg collab 
Um, we got a lot of cards released, which, you know, we kind of got the pack art work released during last episode and all that. We kind of touched on that, but we got a lot of products revealed and probably, what is it, like 20 to 30 cards from the set itself revealed um, on Poke Beach, which is always nice to see. But we got a look at the ETB. Um, we got to look at some special boxes, some bundles, some promos. So just kind of want to touch on those and uh, kind of talk about what's the most value. So I don't know. The English Pokemon Elite Trainer Box, it looks kind of plain to me. It is a cool Mewtwo artwork, but it's like we've seen this Mewtwo artwork before on cards. It's just kind of recycled artwork at this point. Um, we do have nice sleeves and kind of a blue look. Um, so kind of lackluster there, in my opinion. We do have a Pokemon Go Pokemon Center Elite Trainer Box, which is kind of the same color theme, but it's showing you know, the forward-leaning Mew that you see on the pack art. Um, different sleeves and deck box and a nice coin. I think you get a little less value, actually, if you're only focused on price per pack, buying this than a regular ETB, but you, of course, get all the limited stuff in the box. So some people like that. And a lot of people like collecting the Pokemon Center ETBs, so, you know, there's that as well. They're they tend to be a little more limited in most cases, and that's something else I want to touch on. When they release these products, they release them on the Pokemon Center for pre-order. And it seems in the past like a lot of these things get thrown up and then they get eaten up and then you can't order anymore. I think they're shifting their practices towards like a pre-order system where they've basically left the pre-order link open for anyone to order it, and they're just going to print to meet that demand. So I don't know what your thoughts on that were. I think like it's kind of good and bad. Like it opens the door for like much more of them to be printed, but maybe they're gonna do like okay, we're gonna leave this link open for you know two weeks, three weeks, a month. But if you don't pre-order it, like, we're not printing this product ever again. And it kind of makes more sense that way on a business standpoint. Like, you know, their initial demand will be very high, but, you know, they don't have to change up the anything in their printing process. They can just do one run, giant quantity, get it done with, and that be that. So Yeah, I'm looking at it now, actually, because I was curious. Uh, I know a few days ago, I messaged you, like, it's still open, and here it is now, a week after from when they, from from the product went live, and you can still pre-order. So that's pretty abundantly clear that they're leaving it open for an X amount of time, and they're getting every all the pre-orders at once. So they're basically printing to order in in this case. Yeah. So and you can order up to four. Um. So you can get an idea of how much is going to be printed of this of this item, like the Poke Center the Elite Trainer Box. Yeah. Um, and not just that, but the uh, special premium collection with the Radiant Eevee. So we mentioned last episode how you know some of the things with Pokemon Company and, and then printing products. Well, this might be the first set where they're they're able to really really ramp up that printing capacity 
and print the sentence absolute oblivion. <laughs> yeah, that's what um, I was thinking. Like, you know, they really crunched with celebrations and got that done. Yeah. But now with acquiring acquiring Millennium Company, like we talked about last episode, I mean, they're just really changing gears to like, you know, Pokemon cards going burr, essentially. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. And like, yeah, will they cut off the pre-orders and then maybe have you know, secondary waves where it's just like, okay, here's a thousand more on the website. Okay. You, you didn't order in five minutes. Okay. They're dried up. You know, we don't, that was frustrating. Yeah. yeah. We don't know. So they might not have any more waves of this because they're doing this pre-order system. And I personally like it. I think it's almost, you know, the money factor isn't there. It makes people really consider like if they're trying to like scalp or flip, you know, is it even scalpable if they're printing so many or leaving it open so long? Probably not. But it's no. it's making people think like, okay, if I if I think this box is going to be worth something, I really have to think long term, like potentially 10, 20 plus years, you know, actually long term, because anything shorter than that in investing is typically nothing, you know. Yeah. So I think it's going to be good for the long term in that sense that initially everyone can have access to it and it's not going to be worth much until it essentially almost comes like a nostalgic 10 year old item. So I like that. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're talking about potentially buying products to keep sealed, specifically to keep sealed in hopes of it accruing a lot of value. I mean, this is why modern is such a big question mark when it comes to that. And it's such a big risk that I don't recommend anybody doing it personally, um, unless they have the excess capital that they're willing to dispose of and, and they're okay with it. But if you're going to do that, there's a lot of other factors. You're, you're to uh, your more traditional ter- forms of investing. It is, I don't think it's a good idea. Like, oh, I'm going to buy this Ely Trainer box for six, five bucks and it's going to be stonks. Yeah, I, I, I that that's that's the wrong attitude. This stuff is going to be printed so so much that I think the amount of time it would take you to see any sort of return value, the opportunity cost just isn't there. Now, if it's something where, like, for example, in my in my case, um, I want to collect a set, and I might collect the whole entire product line. Um, so I went ahead and, and bought a few as well. Uh, and I don't really care if it becomes increases in value significantly, and I'm, I will keep one sealed, and I, I'll I'll do that because I want to collect this set. Yeah. So. And you're but, very tied to Pokemon Go and all that. Yes, yeah. I am, and I, I mean, it, for me, it's already this set to me is already nostalgic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how it feels. Like we got one of the cards is the Blissey on on the gym, and. I, I mentioned before the the gym aspect is one of my favorite parts of it, and yeah, there's there's a lot of tie-ins to people's uh, individual gameplay, and I honestly like the art on some of these. I mean, not all of them, obviously, but like I I like the Mel Metal, the Meltan, I like the Blissey, I like the Chansey. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed with the trainer promos. However, uh, I'm hoping that there's a alternative art or there is a character rare or something, or some sort of secret rare that will make up for it and give them more time to shine. 
Because like yeah. the, the 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 backgrounds of these are pretty cool, but doesn't it feel like the promos are a little bit generic when it comes to the team leaders? Yeah, and I was gonna kind of just run through the other products, like, but yeah, I was gonna mention that too. Like, none of the art really stands out to me. I mean, I like. You know, the artwork on the normal cards is almost better, in my opinion. Like, there's a cool Mewtwo V art, but it doesn't really capture, like, the Pokemon Go feel. Like, it literally just seems like it's just a general theme. And it's only the artwork on the basic cards. Like, you have a Apom with, like, 20 Pokeballs laying around it because he's hard to catch. And you have a Blissey on top of a gym. You have a Snorlax laying outside someone's house. You know, you have Pikachu walking right beside someone like like they're their buddy. You have mm-hmm. a Magikarp like in a Magikarp nest with like 20 other Magikarp. So like it's it's cool artwork on the basic cards, but then you have like, you know, the Executor V, the Mewtwo V, which are cool artworks, but they're, they're just kind of normal TCG cards. But I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt on this one, though. I mean, how many times has a set had a minor reveal and you're just like, meh? Yeah. You know, I I'm giving them a little bit of a of a uh, of, of a doubt here because usually the creme de la creme of the set is in the secret rares. Yeah. And we don't know. I mean, it's a 78 card set before the secret rares. Probably going to be like another 30 to 40 secret rares. Um, that's kind of how it's been with these sets. So that's really where it's going to come down to, I, I feel like. What's going to make or break this set is what do they have in the secret rare? I think it's not too far of, a, of an ins- assumption to believe that there might be an Alt-Art Mewtwo and an Alt-Art Melmetal in this set. Um, and the Alt-Art Mewtwo could be absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but I'm hoping there is more than that. Like yeah. We know that they're going to have the Radiant Pokemon, at least the Radiant Kanto starters. Yeah, that's, you know, that's yet to be revealed. Those are going to be the chase cards for sure. And if they're in there as the secret rare slot and they're kind of treating that as like an alt art, I mean, that that's going to be really crazy. Or they could have the radiant version, then they could have an alt art of, you know, the Kanto starters, and that'd be crazy. So, yeah, yeah like you said, I hope alt arts are a thing. I hope the... 78 card set that they announced doesn't count the secret rares and yeah i just i hope there's more spice to it it's overall good and it'll be very fun set but it just needs a little more oomph which i'm sure we'll get so yeah i did want to say the the playmat and uh the premium ed collection is absolutely stunning I just want to say that uh, before we, we went on to the next subject. It is Eevee uh, with all the d- different stones. The shiny Eevee with all the different stones around it, like in a forest. And, yeah, it just looks yeah. incredible. And that's honestly one of the better products to buy with uh, as far as pack value and playmat value. Because a lot of people are going to like that playmat. It's a shiny Eevee. Got an awesome promo. Plenty of packs with it. And I think it actually comes with a code for Pokemon Go, and I'm sure it's just for a shiny Eevee, but it literally says on the details on it, um, on the back, Radiant Eevee, a shiny smile and fluffy fur Radiant Eevee is here. 
Um, just kind of reading, I don't see any details about, you know, it being different than a normal EV in the game. But, uh, yeah, you do get a little code with like a little QR scan thing for Pokemon Go. Um, the only other thing we wanted to touch on about this is that they've already announced like a Pokemon Go and Pokemon TCG collab at the Pokemon League as well. And, uh, you know, not surprising there. I mean, we literally have a set of them collabing, so it makes sense for them to be at the events too. Yeah. But the big thing about this is that they're going to have, they said on the announcements apparently that they're going to have some limited promos for cards and some items or maybe Pokemon that you get at these events for the game itself. So I'm sure it's going to be like shiny Pokemon, QR code and all that, but. Yeah, and it might be like your first, like your tournament, like your first, second, third, fourth place. They could be the Pokemon Go themed. Um, so I'll, I'll have to collect those cards too. And <laughs> yeah. What yeah, if? Yeah. What if they gave yeah. out Pokemon and Pokemon Go like trophies? Like yeah, all the first place players got a code for like a unique Pokemon with like a a medallion around its neck in the game. And there's that'd only be, six that'd be of pretty them. cool. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, there is technically a market for selling stuff like that, but uh, I've never done it. Um, but I think it could be cool to tie it in because it is peculiar that it's been now five years and this is the first real collaboration that we've seen between the TCG and the Pokemon Go game. And it's, and it's been very strange that we haven't even had promos for... Yeah. yet so i'm hoping that they, they go all out with this uh it's been a long time coming and we'll know more i imagine uh in a few weeks we'll see more leaks yeah yep really exciting stuff i you know another thing with the investment part of it if you are one of those people i mean with a lot of sets look to the japanese side they're mm-hmm. a totally different market and not going to go into too much detail about that. But uh, a lot of sets or like these special sets get special boxes in Japan and they sometimes come with more extras or different promos or like they'll take a promo from the English set and actually make it like exclusive to a product over there to where it's like actually rare. Um, stuff like that, you know, just like the E or the, evolution set over there ev heroes um they took espion v max and made it a special box exclusive so you might see some of that stuff that are a little more worthy of putting your money in and doing well over time but i don't think they've been the i don't i haven't heard any announcement regarding any sort of special box though uh, i know there is a mewtwo box it's basically the equivalent of the elite trainer box or the Pokemon Center Elite Trainer Box. It looks a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, but that's the only other box I know besides the booster boxes. Yeah, I haven't seen anything super elusive yet either. Um, but it is kind of a casual, smaller set, so maybe we won't see anything like that. Or I think the meat of the collectability in this is the potential of seeing like event-exclusive promos at those league events and stuff like that but we'll see we'll uh hear some news on that i'm sure as well for sure the last 
little bit I wanted to touch on with this is the Go Pokemon Go logo on the cards. <laughs> I hate this logo. <laughs> I hate the Celebrations Pikachu logo and where it's placed. Get this logo off these cards. I mean, it's right on the artwork. Why can't you make it like in the bottom left? You already got the Go logo for the set. In the bottom left, just replace that, revamp the card, put that logo down there, get it off the artwork. I don't know. I just don't like the logo. It, yeah, I mean, I can understand that complaint. I definitely can. Um, like, you don't need to beat a dead horse and s- saying that this is the ghost set and have it on every single one. It doesn't bother me, though, as much. But I, like, for example, the Celebrations in Bloom on the English product line did bother me a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's one reason why I don't know if I could ever collect that whole set, to be honest with you. Uh, but it's, um, for, yeah, for me, it's not a deal breaker. And they did leave it off of the Vs this time and all that, but it's on the normal cards. Like, you already got the unique, like, G-O for the set logo at the bottom left. Like, you don't need it twice, but I guess for logo recognition, they have to have it on there because it's a collab or something. But it could it could be better. It just kills the OCD in me. Like, I like the logo itself. I like the Celebrations Pikachu itself, but it's, like, not even centered up and down and it's off to the right side it makes the right side of the card feel heavy and it's not even in line with the border sticks over the border i don't know it just bugs me but uh i guess that about does it for the intro and news we did kind of go in a little more depth about that than i thought we would but a lot of good pokemon go info hopefully we won't have too much about it but it's it's going to be the hype of this year if they really pull it off so I guess with that, though, let's jump into the main topic, eh? Let's do it. All right. For the main topic today, we're doing our team or our top six favorite Pokemon. We're going to go through each Pokemon. We'll kind of alternate, talk about why that Pokemon is our favorite. Do we just think it's cool? Does it, you know, relate to the TCG, the games, why it's so important to us and the hobby? But uh, really excited to to do this talk. We're going to go backwards, number six being first. But uh, we do have some honorable mentions before we get into our top six. So I know I got about six honorable mentions that I just like off the top of my head. Um, How's your list looking? Is it pretty similar or... Uh, it's a little more crowded probably than, than yours is because yeah. there's a lot of Pokemon I like, but I wouldn't necessarily say they're my favorite. Like there is, there is in that second tier of mine, there is quite, quite the, uh, amount of different types. So yeah, you want to start with yours, I guess let's name off maybe one, I guess we can alternate these two. Um, how many more than six do you have? Do you have like 10 or it's something like that. It's about eight or nine or so. Yeah. I figure uh, the only one that I think, well, I guess I could go into more detail with each one, but the but the biggest one that just misses six is Gengar. Yeah. Uh, between, it's like a 6A and 6B for me. I had to actually think about it for a few hours and kind of do some introspection about my personal history with Pokemon and looking at my collection and upon doing both there was one i leaned more favorably than gengar so he was the odd man out unfortunately yeah 
my first on, honorable mention is actually Haunter. So kind of okay. the yeah. kind of the same lines. I mean, I really for some reason growing up, I always like Haunter more than Gengar. Like mostly from the TV show, I thought yep. he was kind of the yep. coolest, and that episode is just classic. That episode you're referring to is where I fell in love with Gengar. <laughs> yeah. So pretty much the same thing, just me, I liked Haunter more. I thought Haunter was like the last evolution for a good good while when I was a little kid. Well, yeah, you you, you had to trade it. So if you didn't have anybody to trade with, I mean, you're not going to be, you weren't going to be able to involve it in game. Uh, Yeah. So as far as playing wise, Gengar really wasn't there. I mean, I did trade with my brother, but... I've played the game probably more times as an adult or like a teenager than I have as a kid. And because of there wasn't the ability to trade, actually Hypno yeah. uh, was one I used instead. And Hypno is also kind of on the, the, the cusp because of that. Um, but yeah, it all goes back to the show. Like your first really, really solid memories of your introduction to this Pokemon. And that show, that episode was one of the more unique ones of that first season, I felt like. They kind of yeah, it was kind of creepy, and yeah, yeah, turned out to be good. And then Ash, like Haunter, came with Ash. I think like Gengar and Ghastly stayed behind, but Haunter wanted to come with them to beat Sabrina. Like that's kind of why he went there in the first place. But uh, yeah, Haunter also made the the intro, um, you know, Pokemon um, show intro music and the theme song. It was in there on the intro, licking. Uh, Charmander turning him like all yeah. eerie, but uh, yeah, some really classic picks there. Um, what are some of your other honorable mentions? A lot of a lot of the other honorable mentions, and you'll be this will be a recurring theme for me. Uh, for some of my favorites is my interaction with these Pokemon in Pokemon Go. Um, so some of my other ones include Tyranitar, Metagross, Rayquaza. Dragonite, Raikou, Porygon, Gutra, Machamp, and Chansey. Nice. Yeah, so those, obviously, there's quite a few that are relevant from uh, Pokemon Go. One of the few that isn't is Porygon. That was one of the Pokemon that I spent hours upon hours upon hours as a kid obtaining, and I thought it was always just a unique, cool, futuristic Pokemon. And, yeah, even to this day, I got, like, I think I got nine maxed out. Porygon nice. Z or, or like level forty on my account just because I loved Porygon so much. So Porygon did make my list of honorable mentions. Um, I have Porygon slash Porygon Z because I did love Porygon. Um, basically, kind of like you said, it's just really unique and like it's just kind of seemed futuristic, techy type thing. And yeah, you had a lot yep. of cool Porygon cards. When mm-hmm. Porygon 2 came out, I didn't really care for it. I just thought it looked kind of, I don't know, a little, little derpy. It's just like a Porygon that's like, you know, looks like jelly. But uh, Porygon Z came out, and I actually really loved the design for that. So kind of the same reason for all those. That's why it's like Porygon, Porygon Z. Um, I did have Gudra on my list as well. Um, you'll see why because of my number six of my top six but uh it's not dragonite but it kind of seems like the modern dragonite and i always kind of like dragonite i guess dragonite could be kind of an honorable mention too but 
Yeah, it's just kind of the derpy, powerful Pokemon that is just easily likable. Um, yeah. And then plus uh, he was he was great in the show too in the uh, for the XYZ era yeah. uh, for the Calis region. He was he he was awesome. He like he was everything he said, just very derpy. And he was just like I don't know, like he this you just want to give him a big hug. I used him throughout the games quite a bit and I, I loved him for that, but, um, just kind of got two or three others. I mean, real quick, I got Aegislash on there. He was also okay. one of my favorites from the games, but I played with him a lot. Like people might not know, like I actually played during like X and Y pretty heavily and like those Pokemon like that, that I used on my team really stood out. And uh, actually, two Pokemon that were on my team are in my top six, and that was a heavy influence for being on my top six. But uh, yeah, so Aegislash is one of those. Not really nostalgic in any way, except for the game experience, which I loved playing him. Um, Luxray, because he's just like a cool looking, like when I think of a Pokemon that I would want in real life, which kind of goes to my number one pick. Um, Luxray is that type. Like, it's just a cool, like, lounging, like, cat or dog type Pokemon that can just hang out all day. And then my last honorable mention was just Ninetales, because I think this was my first base set holo card. I literally have a picture of, like, me in my grandma's yard as a kid, like, showing off my Ninetales, and, like, that's the first card that I can remember pulling. That's one of my only memories, you know, back in the day from pulling old cards, mostly because of that picture. Like I remember standing in the yard, looking at that card and all that. But, uh, it also has one of my favorite card artworks ever in the TCG. And that's the Delta species hollow nine tails where he's like kind of jumping and there's like a moon in the background and it's like a, like a dark and a purple look to it. But, uh, yeah, just really cool Pokemon all around and one of my favorite cards of all time. But anything else you wanted to say on your honorables or should we no. just jump on into it? I'm ready to jump on in. I think, uh, I mean, I could go even like in another tier. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> we definitely better. could go like top 10, top 20. Yeah. But, uh. We do have one overlapping Pokemon, which you, you will see. We did just share our list, and we do have an overlapping Pokemon. So it is okay, kind of unique that we had the same shared Pokemon and also kind of fit into our list at the same spot. So We also, I want to make sure we know we weren't like having half of the same Pokemon. So that way, yeah. uh, so that way it's like, oh, we got the same one. So we're talking... And we really, <laughs> like, this was the only one, too, that crisscrossed. And I know yeah. I kind of made my list and then asked you about your list. And uh, this one kind of shifted spots for you a couple times. But, yeah, I mean, we really didn't have much overlap at all except for this one Pokemon. And I think it's going to be a favorite for many people. So, mm-hmm. all right. So, my number six on my team, my top ten or top six, rather, favorite Pokemon, is going to be Dragonair. Mm. So, what's your initial thoughts on that? I think most of the time I will have the final Evolve over um, 
the base form or the middle evolve form. Yeah. Dragonair was always I don't know, like you that connection, like how does a Dragonair become a Dragonite? It's just like a it's it's like a tadpole somehow becomes a flying dragon, you know, or like a snake or whatever. <laughs> it's just uh like how that evolution works is something that I never understood as a kid. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know. I but uh it was another thing with like the Haunter. I thought it was like the final evolution too, because like, okay. you got it late in the game and it didn't yeah. evolve until like level fifty five. Unless you could catch in this the Jatini into the Safari Zone, which was incredibly difficult, you know, so Yeah. I think I think one time I, I actually did do on one run through I actually was able to do that. But I ended up having to buy it from the from the game corner or like the the gambling area. Yeah. And overall, I mean, I just always thought it was cool looking. I thought Dragonite was kind of derpy and like, you know, like we said with Gudra, that's kind of my reasoning with Gudra. Like now derpy is kind of cooler, but back then you only wanted the coolest. So I always thought like Dragonair always looked cooler than Dragonite. Um, I also kind of wanted to be different. Like, oh, everyone loves Dragonite. I think Dragonair is cool. And, uh, actually have the same mentality towards war turtle war turtle is one of my all-time favorites he actually didn't make this list because it's more of like a like a modern decision that i made like where i'm just all right war turtle's my guy but uh, i think war turtle looks cooler than blastoise in a lot of ways just yeah he looks i can he almost looks like unique in that line like Squirtle goes to War Turtle and it kind of changes and looks unique and then it goes to Blastoise and it's almost like it kind of goes backwards, you know. But uh yeah, battling Lance in the Game Boy games taking so long to level up being like 55. It has a very short card list in a TCG, 22 cards, which I was kind of surprised by. Yeah, I'm looking and, at that now. There hasn't been one in several years, actually. Yeah, I mean, they had, like, the Dragon Vault, like, mm-hmm. I mean, that was, that was like, the last card, I believe. But, uh, yeah, very short card list. And my favorite card is the Dark Dragonair from Team Rocket Returns. And that is card number 32 in the set. It's just a really, like, dark-looking Pokemon. Um I don't know, just everything about this card. It's like staring at you. It looks like mystical. And the Dragonite in this set looks really good too. But uh, yeah, got to gotta hand it to Dragonair for my, my number six. Anyway, what's your number six guy? So my number six is Mewtwo. Um, nice this choice. was the one. Yeah, this one is was difficult between Gengar and Mewtwo. But I went with Gengar. Because the connection I had since I was younger, I think, was deeper than what Gengar was. Because the the movie, uh, or the, the first Pokemon movie, I mean, I remember seeing it in theaters. I think we saw it in theaters like two or three times. And I could always, I don't know, I always was not just empathetic towards Mewtwo's plight. But I also could relate to it just a little bit. Obviously, I'm not cloned, you know, but... uh. He, at the end of the day, he was a outsider, and he was just trying to be accepted, just trying to find his place in life. And I think as we grow into adulthood, we start to appreciate that disillusionment, that existential crisis that we might occur as we grow older and we understand life's fragility. And 
I mean, that movie as I don't, I don't know about you, but I mean, I think everybody had a r- 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 rough time towards the end of that movie. Uh, yeah, the whole the whole battle with Ash. I mean, I think everybody cried a little bit as a kid. If if you if you didn't, I think you're probably lying. <laughs> um, but yeah, Mewtwo since that moment has always held a special place. It was I I remember in the games when I was younger. I didn't realize that you you needed to save your Master Ball for Mewtwo, so I used it on a Snorlax. So then when I finally get to the end of the game and you're in that cave and it's a level 70 Mewtwo and you're trying to catch it, you don't have the Master Ball. I actually had to restart the game. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So that was pretty rough. Um, Now, nowadays, that has translated to that favoritism towards Mewtwo with not only being irrelevant but in pokemon go i have 19 level 40 mewtwo's and i have only one that's nearly maxed out and two-thirds of those are double moves so it's obviously one of my it, it it's shown that it's one of my more favorite pokemon in go as well now some of the most expensive cards for mewtwo as you can imagine are psa 10 first edition mewtwo and uh, from base set, you got the, the gold star and a ten. You got the expedition hollow and the shiny Mewtwo. Those are some of your most expensive cards for Mewtwo. Now, as we can imagine, he is very relevant in the TCG. Like, I mean, he's he's basically about to be the premier Pokemon in, in the Pokemon Go set. <laughs> yeah, and many times so, over the history, he's been yeah featured. Mm-hmm. Now, my personal favorite is actually. I've never really cared for the base set hollow, honestly. Um, if you if we're, if we're going to Watsi, my some of my personal favorites, honestly, are the promos from that era. Um, the I mean, there's there's three promos from the Watsi area, and I think all three of them have better artwork than base set. Personally, um, you like your wizard promos three, twelve, and fourteen. Now, I think probably my favorite artwork of all time from Mewtwo is the Mewtwo from the Vending Machine Set 3, which is the, like the Japanese vending. I think it's uh, green, right? Pretty sure it's the uh, it's it's green. can't remember the exact colors, but... Because I, I think green was, was the final one. But they, they tie the vending, machine, the vending machine sets from the Japanese um, are is probably some of the best sets ever made. Uh, the third one in particular, um, they, they're they all tied with the games very closely. And the third one in p- particular is very reminiscent of the sprite. The, the artwork is very reminiscent of the sprite from the original games. And you have this mysterious background and this cloudy, om- ominous background. And like almost like the Veritas Dragon Ball Z, like when Planet Namek's about to explode, that sort of background—that's kind of what's going on with the yeah. with this with the Benny series three. And I think that's my favorite artwork of all time, partially because of its connection to the games. Um, but I would also say I like some of the full arts from the XY era by Arita, uh, the ones from Breakthrough, and and then obviously you got the Shiny Legends Test Tube Mewtwo GX. That's and one of then, my favorites. Yeah, and I think one of my personal favorites for modern isn't. I mean, the the test tube is close, but probably the uh, promo, the Mewtwo and Mew promo uh, from Sun and Moon era, the one where Mewtwo is like 
grimacing at Mew, and Mew is just laughing, and Mewtwo is just anno- annoyed with the whole entire thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty good That's, one too. Yeah, uh, he's had he's had a lot of great artwork, and they never they always give him the time to shine. Yeah, I remember when Next Destinies came out back in the day. It was big news that EXs were coming back, and of course, Mewtwo EX was mm-hmm. the most powerful card in the set. Extremely crazy for the TCG game, and uh, that's when I was kind of getting into that. Actually, uh, played in a TCG event over at Collector's Cash, Kansas City, for the state championships. But uh, lots of Mewtwo's being my opponents in that event. So we kind of, me and a friend went and we kind of knew how to play around Mewtwo. But uh, yeah, so it was very prominent like many times throughout the, the hobby for sure. Yeah, that uh, Mewtwo EX, that was, um, I remember seeing a card where it was part of the uh, the champion's deck and Mewtwo EX was in there. Yeah, that's so why it was, it was uh, in celebrations. I mean, it, it was crazy in the tcg so they reprinted it in celebrations which definitely makes sense so but uh, yeah how about our number five i guess this is where our number five is actually the only shared pokemon that we have yep. and both in the number five spot so that pokemon is umbreon so Umbreon, I mean, a lot of people are going to see the similarities that we're going to talk about here. We're going to combine our number five because it is the same Pokemon. So this is a little Umbreon time to shine. But why was he your number five? Uh, well, he has always been my favorite evolution. Um, as a kid, I honestly never cared for the original three evolutions. Um I like I was even as a kid. I, I like you know we would, we would go around talk with with other friends and like what's your favorite evolution? And honestly, I didn't really have one. It was maybe Eevee, um, but wasn't really a clear cut winner. But then when yeah. Gen two dropped, I mean Umbreon was quickly my favorite. It, it wasn't even close. The design of it, uh, the fact that it looked like you could have it as like a pet. Like, sometimes I always looked at it as a kid, like, which ones would you like to have a pet? And Eevee and Umbreon were the ones that obviously stood out. And yeah. now it also ties in with Go a little bit. Um, I w- walked my Eevee quite a bit for it to be Umbreon, even even as an Umbreon. And he's just, again, always just been my personal favorite. I Hax went out when I didn't, when I didn't have to. Its shiny form is absolutely incredible. Um, it's, it's very subtle, but it's, I, the contrast is what makes it so, so unique and so desirable. Yeah. That was close for me. I mean, it was almost Espeon for me, but, uh, they're both my favorite evolutions, but Umbreon does win out a little bit. And I mean, they're both, I mean, when I played Pokemon Go, I had a shiny Umbreon, shiny Espeon. That would be like my buddy quite a bit. Um, I do like Espeon shiny a little more being like that weird green that you don't see very much, but Umbreon, as far as the coolness factor, um, it is a widely loved Pokemon already by many out there. It might be like the true number one with popularity. 
that I see a lot on like Instagram. Like everyone loves evolutions. Of course, like you're shoved like Charizard shoved down your throat so much mm-hmm. that you're like, Oh, Charizard's the most popular Pokemon. But for like the true collectors and like people who don't just like Charizard or Pikachu or stuff like that, like it's it's competing for the top. And uh yeah, it's just a really, a really good card. Um in many sets that it's featured in, but the best one I think is the Neo discovery hollow. And I mean, it's the one where he has like kind of standing on the rock, like dark background, the moons in the background. He just looks really ominous. And it's TCG debut. Yeah. It was his first card as well. So it's just uh kind of a crazy artwork to have as like your first artwork. Cause it's like so artistic and, simple but shows the pokemon in like such a good way very dark looking and yeah it's just one of my favorite cards of all time it might be like my top one or two cards of all time of this particular umbreon and that's why he made my list not really any specific thing that bumps him up as far as like the games go or pokemon go goes or like anything like that but it's just him as a pokemon the coolness factor and that Neo Discovery card. And, uh, of course, the Gold Star. You can't mention him without talking about the Gold Stars. You know, Gold Star, Umbreon, and Espeon were the Chase Gold Stars of all chases back in the day. Um, I got into Gold Stars early. And on the Japanese side, the play promo Umbreon is, you know, even harder to get with their play system over there. And that's actually a hollow version, so a lot of people love that version. Of course, he had him reprinted at Celebrations as well. And he also has an Eevee's Hero, uh, Eevee Heroes alt art, which is still probably one of the most expensive modern cards for like normal set cards and still going strong. So, of course, that's in the Evolving Skies English set and Eevee Heroes Japanese, but just so much going for it. And, uh, yeah, I can't talk about it enough. I don't know if you wanted to add anything else on Yeah, there. so for me, uh, I do like the Neo Discovery art with the moon in the background. But honestly, I would say... I would honestly put the Umbreon Altar VMAX as probably one of my personal favorites. It's, it's newer, so it hasn't quite established itself as much. But honestly, the art's better than the Neo Discovery art, in my opinion. Um, in fact, one of the more unique ones, I would say that might have a run for the money for the, uh, BMX alt art is the Umbreon from the first series, the, the series that never made it to America. Uh, that's, that has a sleeping Umbreon where it's glowing. The, um, the, the yellow spots are glowing and yeah, the, it's the like way a Karen's Umbreon in it. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, and it just card. looks it makes it look more realistic. It makes it look like you have like almost like a cat or dog, and it's it's sleeping. And I find that art. It's very simple, but I find it very re- relatable because of its design. Now, I, I did want to talk about um, the Japanese Umbreon just a little bit more, but for how r- the Japanese Gold Star Umbreon. So there's a reason why it was recreated for. Reprinted for the uh, for the celebration set, and the Japanese Gold Star was so difficult to obtain 
essentially you had to be max level in the, the play series, the, the Pokemon play series, and it required 70,000 XP. And you had about, what was it, like a 12-month window to obtain it? It's so rare that there's only 24 Japanese uh, Gold Star Umbreons graded by PSA. And I believe it's like 1710, so it does grade well, as you can imagine most Japanese cards do. But because of how difficult it was to obtain and how you had to obtain it, I imagine it will be very rare for these raw cards to actually hit the market because I would think a lot of these people that grinded to get that 70,000 XP, they have a lot of sentimental value towards that card. So it's just, I'd be interested to see what a 10 would hit if it hits the market because there hasn't been a 10 in a while um, from what I could do with my some of my research, but... I imagine it'll fetch a pretty penny because the PSA to Umbreon, I know there's one on eBay that they're trying to get thirty thousand for, and that's not too uh, that's not too far off from its actual value, honestly. So, yeah, and like, yeah, it's just such a elusive card. Like it's, like I said, that and the Espeon are or used to be the most expensive gold stars. I'm sure they still are. Um, Rayquaza was getting up there, but yeah, yeah, they were. They weren't set cards, and they were harder to get, and they were the chases of the gold stars, and they weren't even hollow, whereas, like, the Japanese play one is hollow, so it even adds another tier of coolness and being even more rare. It's just another tier beyond that, and, yeah, Umbreon's got a lot going for it. But. For sure. I'm glad I was able to pull the uh, celebrations, Umbreon, because I'm okay having that one instead of the original Japanese, or instead of the original uh, gold stars, so. Yeah. yeah. I still I'm, need a I'm, copy I'm, of that, I, I have it, so. Yeah, I, I opened very little product in uh, Celebrations, and it, it was one of the cards I pulled. And, and based on first glance, it's probably a PSA 10. So Nice. Yeah. Well, how about our number four? We're going into number four. This one, for me, has like very huge game influence. And uh, that Pokemon is Blaziken. So a lot of people... Might not expect this. It is a pretty popular Pokemon um, in the anime and the games. Maybe not so much TCG. But uh, back when I did play during X and Y quite a bit, I was playing, uh, playing a lot of competitive like online battles. And like that's that was my focus in Pokemon for a long time. And I just loved how the Mega system worked i loved x and y it was like the most polished like og battling experience to me because i got back in the hobby on diamond and pearl and they really didn't change much and then sun and moon came along and they kind of changed quite a bit so x and y was pretty much the last game where i was really heavily involved with battling and all that and uh that's why blaziken made this list you could get a speed boost Torchic back in the day where every turn your Blaziken would get speed boost and uh, it just became super fast where you would go first pretty much every every round and uh, I remember I had so many battles where I would have this Blaziken and then I'd like use protect to get a speed boost if I was like up against a, a fast Pokemon or I would use like some other move to buff my stats if it was like a slower Pokemon or like a setup Pokemon where they use like a setup move. And once I got that speed boost, just mega evolve it and just one shot a lot of teams that, you know, any team that wasn't optimized or into like the breeding thing, 
that blaze again would just be so hard to get through. So it was always my opener Pokemon for the games back in the day. Um, just loved it so much. Probably my favorite starter across all gens. And uh, yeah, it was just not OP. Charizard, huh? <laughs> nope. Nope. Did not didn't really even play Charizard. I was always a water person. Like I I chose uh, Squirtle a lot. And I actually chose the water Pokemon quite a bit through all the games. Definitely my most popular. But uh, yeah, for that game, it was always Blaziken. And that speed boost just made it OP. And that's why it's my number four. Well, my number four is also a fire starter. Not Charizard. <laughs> um, mm. It is Cyndaquil. Um, now, I've, I always picked Cyndaquil as a kid, but I didn't really have a true connection to Cyndaquil. Even though I, I, I watched the show, like the first few seasons, I even watched it as an adult. But where my connection and love for Cyndaquil comes is my uh, cat. I um, found my cat as a kitten at eight weeks um, in town. It was while I was playing. It was uh, while I was playing Go. It was uh, the weekend of July fourth in twenty seventeen, and we just heard this meow, a, a high pitched meow. And at first, I didn't think anything of it, but then we we looked closer, and it was a kitten hiding under the bush. Now he is a orange cat, and his ruff on the back of his neck was all peaked up just like Cyndaquil's fire and his meow he made was just like Cyndaquil's vo uh, voice on the show it was like meow meow just like quill 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 yeah so uh, I uh, I uh, called him quill and we've he's been with me since since then so he is a personal favorite um, I actually do collect Cyndaquil cards I have a lot of the the ones from the Neo Genesis, and I have a lot of the modern cards, especially the Komiya artwork, where it's him by the fire. You just like sleep in, and yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> pretty cool starter. Yeah, um, and uh, I'll make sure to give you a photo, both a photo of him where he's getting where he's older, so you can put in the YouTube video. Uh -huh. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so, you know, probably you're not going to have a lot of people that are probably going to choose the base form instead of the full evolved form. But I've always liked Quill, um, never to the extent until recently, but Quill now, or Cyndaquil will always hold a special place with me, and I don't see it ever, ever getting out of the top six because of the connection to my cat, so. Yeah, pretty, pretty cool one. I feel like a lot of people like Typhlosion, too. I never liked Quilava because he just looked kind of weird to me, but Cyndaquil and Typhlosion were always cool. But I did pick the water starter for Gen 2, though, so Fralligator was always my guy. But, yep, definitely one of the more popular starters for sure. All right, we on number three now. So my number three is actually a Legendary, a.k.a. Mythical, and it is from the Diamond and Pearl era, the games that I rejoined the hobby on and uh, was really into. And that is Darkrai. Yeah, just love love the way he looks. He's kind of dark and ominous, like 
Umbreon. And I just absolutely love like the story, the lore, the looks, and going after him in the games. And, uh, you know, almost using like the uh, action replay or like the game shark like it was back in the day to get all these mythical Pokemon in the Diamond and Pearl games because they were all considered like events, like just such good memories. And, uh, I mean, you had Cresselia and Shaman to compete with, so Darkrai was kind of, you know, pretty obvious choice for me for the legendary I liked, and it just kind of, you know, made you reminisce about the the Haunter and the ghost types of Gen 1. It's just overall really cool. Um, He has a lot of cool cards. I was opening packs heavily during this time and dark cry was always a hollow and like a lot of the sets um he has a very cool dark cry level x card um just really nostalgic about the level x cards and i love the level x cards um but my favorite card is actually the legend piece dark cry i was about to say is that yep. the one it is? I was, I was looking at his cards right now. I was like, I bet it's probably that one. <laughs> yeah. He's got a legend card, which was like two cards set where it was like artwork stretched across two cards. And it is featured with Cresselia. And that's actually my favorite card with Cresselia as well. But the artwork on those cards, like all of them, there's like a Lugia Ho-Oh. The three dogs have like three sets of them. There's a Deoxys Rayquaza one. Just the the artwork on those cards is just amazing. Like very top of the line. It's kind of annoying that it's stretched across two cards, but specifically the Darkrai and Cresselia one just looks so sick. And Darkrai is almost on like its own half. Like a lot of cards, you kind of have to piece them together. Like the Lugia one, he's got like a Lugia top and Lugia bottom. The top card isn't even that cool. The bottom has like its face and everything. But Darkrai is pretty cool in his legend card because his side of the card like pretty much encapsulates his whole body. And it's just a really awesome artwork on top of that. I do love that card and that's why he made my number three. I would say one of my favorites of those is probably one of the Umbreon and Dark Rise from the uh, SM area or from the Sun and Moon era. There's, I think he has like three different variants or something like that uh, with Dark Rise and Umbreon. And uh, yeah, he's he's a very unique Pokemon. And his uh, role in the show is also pretty cool. I don't know if you ever saw those Talos episodes, but it's like they're asleep. I think everybody's asleep and. Like he he interacts with them in their dreams, and then they wake up, and like Ash kind of looks at the tree, and he's not sure if it was real or not. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, they they uh, they played it as like this Dark Cry is like a real jokester, and it was really really cool. That was actually, I never knew what what Dark Cry was as a Pokemon until I saw that show, and I thought it was he was a really really unique, really cool Pokemon. So yeah, like it, it's it, he's 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 weird, but he's a good weird. So yeah, for sure. So my number three, since we're talking about the show, I mean, there's no way to talk about my number three without talking about the show, and that is Greninja. Um, Greninja was a Pokemon that I had no interaction with whatsoever until I started playing Pokemon Go, and because 
it's just how I am with obsession sometimes when I get really, really passionate into into a uh, into something. I gotta absorb it. I gotta absorb all of it. I gotta I gotta have more I gotta have more uh co- commu- I don't say communication, but I have to have more um interaction with with the subject. And so in this case I started watching the show and Ash Greninja was on the show. And he's basically like a quasi mega. I still wasn't like fully uh, knowledgeable about megas yet. But it was something that they didn't do with Charizard from the original show. Obviously, those mechanics weren't there. But that key difference with the Ash Greninja, it just drew me in immediately. How cool he was, how strong he was, how they didn't make it to where there was this dispute between Ash and Charizard, which kind of I never liked as a kid. And I was very enamored with the idea of this this Pokemon and how you could with how they um, wrote out so you can interacted with your Pokemon and it made it to where it was, I don't know, just some, something about me connected with it. I wasn't quite sure what it was, uh, but it's something that I've embraced wholeheartedly. Um, I still think the Ash Greninja is re- re- really, really cool. Uh, in fact, his promo, the Astronauter promo, it was printed multiple times, but in my opinion, that's probably one of the best cards for uh, Greninja. Um, I'll go into a few more that I like, but Ash Greninja in particular, I want to discuss. He was originally, the promo was originally uh, printed as the 218 promo that you could have, that you could obtain at the World Hobby Fair in Japan. Uh, you just had to go up to the Pokemon booth and you were able to get it now there is one super rare yeah there is one super rare variant though where you had to call into tokyo tv a week around christmas so it was like december 24th december to december 30th and you called in and you earned a lottery and there was the top prize was an xyz logo variant on the ash ninja again there's only about 100 of these that were made um, but I don't think that's the best Ash Ninja EX. There was also a variant that was a part of that was released as, as a part of a um, songbook. It was basically a soundtrack, and it's called Pokemon Pocket Monsters XYZ TV Anime Character Song Project Collection. That's a long list, but that's the closest English translation that we, <laughs> we can get. Yeah. Um, now this this is this is important because I think this Ash Ninja is one that could actually potentially skyrocket in value down down the line. So I don't want to say people are sleeping on it, but Charizard obviously has a lot of love and attention. Um, and so does Greninja for the art generation. But what's interesting to know with Greninja is the younger generation, Gen Z, and even um, like the younger end of Gen Z. I actually asked a, a few kids, like for, for, for kids of friends, what their favorite Pokemon was. And they said Greninja. Now, I know this is anecdotal, but you're already seeing on various polls, various Twitter polls, which obviously is going to trend older uh, for individuals voting, but you're seeing this Greninja kind of entering this whole new stratosphere of fandom by Pokemon fans. Now, it isn't quite at Charizard levels. However, I hypothesize and about 10 to 15 years, you'll start seeing 
Greninja rise to equal those levels. I'm not saying it's going to pass it. I, I don't quite believe that. But I think you're going to see it rise in price and desirability. Now, the reason why I mentioned the Ash Greninja at EX with the Ash symbol on it, that was the best variant of all the, um, of the Ash Greninja promos, is because by what I can research, there was, it's probably less than 15,000 made for these cards. Uh, the songbook had two variants, one with Altaria on it, one with Greninja. I can't see what, what the ratio was, but my guess is it was probably a two-to-one two ratio. And what I could tell that were sold, there was less than 9,000 sold in 2016, the year it came out. So I can't imagine there's too, there were too much more sold in, 20, in 2017. I couldn't find the data on that. Uh, but assuming it's about a two-to-one ratio, there's less than 15,000 sold, you're looking at no more than 15,000 of these cards. Um, yeah, I think now, that's the most appealing too, the one with the ash on it. Mm -hmm. It's like they just want that tied into the card as well. You know, it's the Ash Greninja and you also got Ash's face on there. It's not as like rare as the TV one with the stamp, but I mean, it looks cooler with Ash's face, I think. Yeah, and I mean, we, again, so about 15,000 that I could ascertain um most likely you know that's not that's not confirmed that's just my, my guess uh that's less than the misaki promos that were made and misaki promos have still a lot of value um so I, I think it's one that definitely might be a sleeper for 10 to 15 years from now if that what i believe when that generation becomes of age and has buying power within the hobby when that starts occurring and you have two you have multiple generations that have fandom towards greninja I think you can see it elevated into that next tier of uh, of that Charizard gets. And the reason why a lot of people like Charizard is because of the relation to the show, of that nostalgia. Again, that's just, that's just my opinion. There's, it's going to take a long time for this to come to fruition. But I think Greninja will rival Charizard in about 15 to 20 years. It's going to yeah. take a little bit, but I, I do think it will. Yeah, it's got a lot going for it. And yeah, I think it'll... Yeah, it'll start seeing that shift for, you know, the younger generation because it, it just has such a significance in the show and, yeah, in a lot of ways, cooler than the Charizard was back in the day. I think the, so. The big sure. reason why Charizard was so popular is because the actual card itself, it was the most powerful card and uh, a little bit of the show. But, yeah, I think Greninja has more show going for it. Than Charizard did actually. All right, I guess we're just down to two each, huh? Got, yeah, we are. Uh, my number two. Um, I don't really have much to say about this Pokemon, but it's got very strong game influence. It was often in my lineup for the games when I was playing a lot in X and Y. Once again, it's my favorite modern Pokemon, which I consider it still being modern. And it is Mimikyu. Mm. So just a really cool design Pokemon. And I just love how they like play it off of Pikachu. And being a Mimikyu, it's mimicking Pikachu. And like the actual Pokemon itself is like the lower part of the stuffed Pikachu. And like he's using the top half of his body as a disguise. And just overall... Really fun design, really unique design, really cool design. Very good in the games. He would actually have, uh, God, I forgot what the power was called, 
but basically the first time it got hit in the games, like it would be neglected because he had the decoy up. And uh, so you could use your moves to power up your attacks and basically get a free pass. And uh, he was pretty good. He had a move called Shadow Sneak, which was really good in the games. Um, so that's where most of my like favoritism comes for him is like the game influence, but I do really love the design and he has a card that is not only my favorite card of his, but also one of my favorite cards, the entire TCG kind of goes back to like Umbreon was, but that is his scream promo, which mm-hmm. is a sun and moon promo came out in 2016, I believe. And, uh, yeah, if you haven't seen the screen promos, I think you've been either living under a rock, <laughs> but you need to go, like, look up these screen promos. Essentially, there's five cards. There's a Rowlet, Psyduck, and an Eevee that um, are pretty easily obtained, I think, from just uh, online or buying, like, two packs on the Pokemon Center or something like that. Um, there is a Pikachu that you got for actually showing up to the event and the event itself was like kind of based on the screen painting which is what all these cards are based off as well so if you actually went to the event in japan you got the pikachu card and mimikyu is the rarest of all five because you not only had to go to the event but you also had to buy it from the shop inside the event so adds another level of rarity. You know, a lot of people went to this display and they may not have cared. They might not be into Pokemon, but if you just showed up, you got that Pikachu card. Um, You actually had to go buy the Mimikyu card in the shop. So just another layer of depth to its rarity. And it's just a very cool card. I have it in PSA 10. I don't think I'll ever get rid of it unless I get multiple. And, uh, Yep, just one of my favorite cards of all time. Yeah, that uh, those screen promos are definitely unique. Um, my personal favorite is Psyduck, even though I don't care for the Pokemon Psyduck, but it's the Kamiya artwork. Um, so you really, I mean, Psyduck's okay, but yeah. It's, if, I, if I were to pick a promo for, for, I don't know why they chose Psyduck exactly. Um, do you know why they chose Psyduck for, for, for those screen no, promos? I don't know. I yeah. mean, Psyduck's... Kind of popular. I understand, you know, why they chose um, the others. Maybe not Rowlet. Rowlet makes sense. But, well, yeah, but <laughs> I, I mean, mean Rowlet, I, don't, I think that Rowlet may have been like the most popular of the new starters at the time or something. Yeah, exactly. And then Psyduck. I mean, he's always kind of, you know, just Psyduck. He's he's kind of cool to have. But Eevee and Pikachu, you know, arguably the the two most popular faces of the hobby. You know, obviously they get chosen. And I think Mimikyu was chosen because in the games you go into like this hidden mansion and uh, it's like a spooky theme and like Mimikyu's in there. So it makes sense for like a scream Mimikyu to be there. Um, But yeah, really cool cards are all really cool. And in the background of each card, it has like the previous Pokemon like sitting in the background scaring the other one, except for the Psyduck where it has... Um, the shadow of Haunter and Gengar in the background. So kind of unique with that as well. But yeah, they're all 
just really good cards. Yeah, he's had, he's had a or Mimikyu's had two in the Brilliant Stars with the character rares that I think are pretty cool too. Especially the uh, well, I mean, I don't know which ones I prefer between the V and the V Max. Uh, probably the the V. I, I think it's funny with the Mimikyu V Max how they kind of made it almost like a Chonkachu reference if if you look at it. Like they're, it's almost like they were keeping um, its association with Pikachu in mind as they were drawing. Yeah. And they were creating this card, and I, I think that's kind of neat. Yeah, it's it's just cool all around, all of them. And uh, he's got a lot of a lot of modern cards that look really good. I like mm-hmm. the uh, the mirror Pikachu and Mimikyu cards that were in like oh some, yeah, yeah they were in like little blister packs here in the U.S. But yeah, got a lot of cool stuff. And very popular, like one of the most popular Pokemon nowadays. Like, I think during those polls that you were talking about with when they showed Greninja kind of gaining, uh, Mimikyu was, I can't remember what polls they were, but it was in like the top 10 favorite Pokemon of all time as far as like these these polls that they did a few years back. So it's very popular, especially in Japan. So, so. For me, for my number two is Arceus. So Arceus is definitely more of a newer one that has skyrocketed to the list. I've mentioned it in previous episodes, but my connection to it, I think, comes to the fact that I heard about it during a time frame where I wasn't interested in Pokemon, and it always stuck out for me. Um, Now... I think really what was the kicker that, like, was a domino effect to me collecting Arceus probably more than any other Pokemon was discovering the AR cards from the Platinum Arceus set in a uh, mom-and-pop shop. And I was able to get, I think, seven of, of the nine. And I started reading more about it and looking at the fact that all nine of them create, like, a, a design artwork. And they haven't really done anything like that since. I know they have, like, the Union series, and uh, there are some uh, Hyman cards, but, um, like the, uh, was it the XY era, I think it was? The XY kind of moon era. Yeah. They have, that des- they have that design on the card, but they don't connect how, like, these, this, these wave of, like, signals, or I don't know what you would call it, they all connect w- with each other. And those cars started taking me down the road of learning more about Arceus, starting to appreciate how, you know, he's, he's like the, the god Pokemon. I thought that was very, very unique. And I don't know what it is. I, I can't really explain it, which I guess sometimes that's how some of your favorites just happen. They're just like this connection, this innate association and connection um, that, 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 you, that you have immediately that you can't quite put a finger on it. And that's what happened with... Arceus. Now, I have a decent amount of the Arceus cards. I obviously don't have all of them. Uh, but I think Arceus, of all the Pokemon that I have, um, like the top six, Arceus to me has one where I like basically every single card. And I can't say that about most of the, the Pokemon I, I chose. Now, there is times where uh, he wasn't really featured, but then he, like, he would... Arceus we featured in waves. Like, for example, when he first came out with Arceus movie and then the 
PP area era. He had a bunch of promos. He had the AR cards. He had the movie premiere packs. Just promo after promo of amazing art. Um, mm-hmm. Now, one of my one of my personal favorites is probably the Mythical Shine uh, RCS from the Japanese set and uh, AR five. Now, there is another set of cards for RCS that I would like to go into more detail as well. I actually just discovered. These cards not too long ago as I was going through some of the rarest cards for Pokemon, and that is the 2009 Pokemon design contest that was done in promotion with the RCS movie, the was it The Secret and the Jewel of Life? And um, so this was interesting. This was the first design contest done since 1998. Uh, essentially... And or February of 2009, Shogo Kukan um, is a Japanese publishing house. They had a design contest in their children magazines. Uh, there was two different Pichu variants, three different Arceus variants where kids could draw around. Now, the highest reward for these was said to be 100 copies of your own card. Now, there's a lot of debate on the actual amount, and it's you. <laughs> Nobody knows how many cards there actually are. Um, it's it's, it's believe, yeah, it's believe it's less than a hundred, uh, and no more than hundred and seventy. Um, there's only, I think, no more than five graded by PSA for each each variant. Um, now, at first, I believe they won one to thirteen sets, but they're not. We're not sure. Um, originally, when it came to sale, they're about four hundred dollars a pop in 2016-2017. There has not been a public uh, sale since then. The whole set appeared in 2017 and 2018 for 4K and 5K respectively, but they never sold. Now, it's believed that most of the ones that, most of the RCS cards that have came to market were basically uh, workers who pocketed the extras in the, the printer room, which if you look into the age demographic that submitted these designs, it makes sense. The oldest would be right now would be 25. The youngest would be 18. So chances are Pokemon probably isn't on their radar. And basically, when it comes to trying to find copies, if unless you find somebody through word of mouth, it's, it's going to be a one. Yeah, yeah, there hasn't been, like I said, there hasn't been a public one in years. There's nothing on eBay. You can't find anything anywhere. And the people that had the complete, the complete set, one got it in Okinawa when he was stationed. He said he bought it as a complete set. So it's probably either a worker or something from Pokemon. Uh, something similar happened to the other person that has the, the complete set. They bought it all at once uh, about 10 years ago. And yeah, we don't know how much there are. Um, uh, there's one person that has a blog about it that believes there's less than 50 of each card. I'm not so sure about that. Um, until we have winners starting to come out and show photos, it might be a while before we actually know. Uh, now, to put a range, a price range on this, um, there was a 2010 illustration contest uh, for Zorora. Those typically are in several thousand dollars on graded. So that gives you an idea. Now, there was about 200 estimated for the Zorora var- variant, so that's m- much more. Um so, yeah, that, they'll give you a price estimate since we haven't had any in a couple of years. It could be the first to market could be pretty high. But, again, if it's all at once, it could really shoot them down. But these are my hail cards right here. 
um, to, tr- to try to find one day. Now, I don't need all of them, but there are several that stand apart, including the fourth and third grade contestant winners. One has the Giratina and Palkia and Arceus, like with these bulls that are coming out. And this other one has Surfing Pikachu and Hanafi. Now, I would love to eventually own one of these one day. Um, again, with how rare they are, there's no way the first they come to market, there's no way I would ever get it because there'd probably be a bidding war. Uh, there's so many yeah, eyes on that, too. Because it, everybody knows, if you've been in the hobby for a little bit, like everybody kind of knows uh, how rare they are and how long they've been since they've last come to auction. And now since the market's larger than ever, yes, a lot of the people that recently came in, they haven't quite ventured to the knowledge of some of these cards. I'm sure some have. Uh, but as the years go on and people become more knowledgeable that have came in from this second hype uh, for Pokemon, there is a good chance, you know, these could be really expensive, especially if there is less than 50 per each card. Um, but yeah, the, the third grade one and the fourth grade one, those are the ones I want the most. And I would love to own them one day, but who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely an iconic Pokemon. I mean, yeah, and those Platinum Arceus cards with the waves on them, I mean, just shows you, like, they were doing such, like, cool, unique, or one-off stuff back in that era. Like, a lot of sets had just, like, two or three secret rares, and they reprinted, like... Scyther, Hitmochain, and Electabuzz as hollows from base set. Just really weird stuff, but some unique and cool ideas for sure. But yeah, a lot of good info on Arceus. I mean, I think yeah, I took up the probably... most, most time right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I wanted to talk about it because I think that these are cards you can't see. There's very little information on. You go on YouTube, there's this one video of, a, of a, somebody that made it from 10 years ago. And there's, they have incomplete knowledge on the subject. And if anybody that's interested in these cards, check out Bulbapedia Illustration Contest, and you'll be able to see all of the images um, there. And, yeah, I think Arceus is one of the few species I will try to collect the whole entire set, besides the Grail cards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they get pretty so, pricey. Yes, they will. Well, with that, we just have our number ones. And... For my number one, again, not a whole lot to say about him, but uh, just a Pokemon that I see just as being cool, and in real life, I could see him hanging around the house with me, but that is Arcanine. So, often considered the lost legendary. He may have been a legendary early on in game development, but just cool to have a dog Pokemon, and he's... Like, very giant. You can see him in the opening credits of the anime, how big he is. Ash is, like, riding on him. I just thought that was always so cool. He's got a lot of cards that are really cool. I would actually use him in the games a little bit, even though he was never, like, a powerhouse in the games. He had, like, a lot of HP, like, pretty beefy fire type. But he was never, like, super competitive, so he does have some game nostalgia or like I just generally liked him so much that I try to use him in the games. Um, some of his best cards, I think, are the Aquapolis Sky Ridge hollows of his card. One of them, he's like prouncing through Aquapolis 
and just looks really cool. Just kind of a, a unique design with that card. Um, in the Sky Ridge Hollow, he's got a very serious look, kind of gazing mm-hmm. off to the to the distance, and uh, just really like those cards. But the favorite card for me is actually Blaine's Arcanine, and I really don't like love the artwork of this card that much anymore. But I remember back in the day, this card was like the ultimate chase card for me. I like this card more than Blaine's Charizard, Blaine's Moltres. For some reason, when the gym sets were out and we were just heavy into collecting, I just wanted this card so bad. And uh, it was just really just an iconic card for me. I actually pulled this out of a first edition gym challenge pack as well. Um, this was a long time ago when I was doing YouTube for the first time, probably 2011, 2012, my old school local card shop actually had like packs from back in the day that just hadn't sold yet that he literally still had on the shelf. So me and my friends like would buy a couple first edition gym packs. And, uh, I remember my buddy played or actually pulled the first edition Blaine's Charizard and I pulled the Blaine's Arcanine, and I, I had it on video too. I need to really try to find those videos, but I remember just buying a couple packs, opening them up for my YouTube channel that maybe 10 people watched, and I was like, I really hope to pull the Blaine's Arcanine, and literally like pulled it in that video. So just overall, good memories. Um the good memories continued when I was into Pokemon the second time around as far as like collecting because Next Destinies came out. That set I was talking about with the Mewtwo where the EXs came back. Um, it was all the hype and the promo, like the staff and pre-release promo of that set was actually Arcanine. And so really interesting that they picked that card. He was a non-hollow in the set. Um I really want to pick up that card again. I used to have like three or four of them. But yeah, that, not the coolest artwork. Arcanine's kind of prouncing on the artwork and it's got a little staff stamp on there. But I thought that was kind of cool. And uh, one last thing that continues the Arcanine being a, a favorite of mine is this giant like massive plushie that the Pokemon Center actually opened for pre-order last October. And uh, if you guys see this thing, I'm going to try to have it up on screen here. But this thing is massive. You had to pre-order, you know, back in October, the end of the summer. And I still haven't received it, but word is that they're going to start getting out there towards the end of this month, like May 2022. Jesus. You a year ago? <laughs> yeah, a little less than a year ago, but it's coming up on a year. But I mean, it is big. It's like it's like the size of an actual dog, like a like a Great Pyrenees almost. I mean, okay, it's not quite that big, but it is a large, large uh, plush. Yeah, and they they do these large plushies every once in a while. They've had a a side a furret, egg, I, I think. think. A do furret, what? Didn't they? they had like a, a, a furret. Yeah, a furret for some reason. That was like one of the first ones they did. They did like a furret. A Mareep, a Lapras. Um, they kind of did a Snorlax, but it doubled as a beanbag chair, so it wasn't like a full plush. 
Um, I want to say they did Slowpoke. I, I think. I think you're right. They, I think that was yeah. the last one that actually shipped out. So I'll have to look at when those pre-orders actually went live last year because people were waiting for those a long time. I remember it was like a long wait, like longer than expected. And people started to get those like within like this last month. And so I think they're done with those and they're, they should be shipping out the Arcanine plushie next. But yeah, it's a, it was a immediate pre-order for me. It wasn't like the, the, uh, like the Pokemon go set is now where they, seem to be opening pre-orders for however many who want to pre-order and then meeting that demand over time. But this pre-order didn't last that long. And if you look, there's there's been multiple sales of this product before it's even in hand that have went for like four times the price of the pre-order. So these giant plushies are always a good buy in my opinion because... The people who forget or the people who get into the hobby after they're announced and like there's there's none left like they're not this is not a product to be making often you know you basically order get the demand and meet that demand and that's it um so arcanine being like one of the best ones that they've ever done and being my favorite pokemon it was just an instant no-brainer for me and i can't wait to get that thing in i'll have a a nice video on that but it should be pretty ridiculous but I've been talking about this thing for months and just can't wait for it to get here. Honestly, I'm surprised you didn't even mention the Light Arcanine uh, from Neo Destiny. That is probably my second favorite artwork now. Um, Actually, you know, that might actually be my first. I I just sold PSA 9 of that car and it was really hard to get rid of. It's a very unique artwork for for, uh, Arcanine. It's almost like it's from an anime like the the design, it's like whimsical. Yeah, yeah, I I do really love that card. If it wasn't for like the my historical significance with the Blaine's Arcanine, like that one, probably definitely be number one. But but yeah, that's all I really got to say about it. I mean, just a cool Pokemon overall, and just love me a real life Arcanine. <laughs> My number one, it is Drumbone. No, it's a uh, Lapras. Um, that one. So, like the, the top three were kind of hard to like put which ones which, but Lapras was the first one that, that came to my mind. So he he got the first distinction. Um, so kind of a Lapras to have is like number one, I think. Yeah. So Lapras, uh, I liked as a kid, obviously, like the show where uh, in the Orange Islands, uh, Ash had Lapras, and I always thought it was cool, like being able to go through the ocean on a Lapras, be, just be able to just be able to go through the whole entire um, voyage on a Pokemon and just be able to enjoy that ride. Uh, but as an adult, this might become you know a recurring theme. Uh, what really tied it in was in Pokemon Go. So in Pokemon Go, Lapras was one of the best defenders in the old gym system. And I had this uncanny luck with Lapras and hatching. I, as you, as you remember, like I was one of the first ones that had a Lapras that could be put at, at the top of the gym. And I just kept on having this luck with Lapras. Now I hatched a lot of these and I walked a lot. 
to, to power up these lappers. One day when I was grinding, one of the last days before I hit 40, I walked 40 kilometers um, during the Valentine's Day, the first Valentine's Day event, because it was double candy to try to max these things out. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, no, I, I walked a lot. And of course, what do they do next week? They, they nerfed them. <laughs> I, so I was, like, was of lucky. Course you did that. I was lucky with lappers too. Like I got one really early, like that first week of the game, like the first weekend where I went back home, you know, peak Pokemon craze. We went to the park at like 11 PM. There's tons of people there. I remember hatching a Lapras and just like flipping out. Like it was just so crazy to have. And when I left that weekend, I put it on a gym. Like I powered it up as much as I could. I put it on a gym. I didn't see that Lapras for at least four, like three, four weeks. <laughs> and people were messaging me on like Facebook and like, dude, your Lapras is ridiculous. We can't take that gym. It was on like my small hometown courthouse, like the gym of all gyms back home and like a, a town where we only have like four gyms and uh yeah it was up there for a long time i almost like regretted putting it up there because i couldn't like show it off or walk with it or get more candy for it but yeah i have some good memories with lapras too yeah they actually uh called me around here and around town the lapras whisper because of how many i was able to hatch and i had I think five or six at one point I was able to throw up on gyms. And because I was higher level than most people, it was at the top of nearly every single gym. <laughs> and uh, a lot of people had, had issues trying to take it down. Um, but that was really, really where it came full circle. I actually was able to uh, – my girlfriend bought me for several Christmases in a row a stuffed Lapras. We actually bought a stuffed Lapras from, for Quill for the cat and he actually every now and then he'll huddle up with you Lapras. uh so it's a, as you can imagine it's a whole level of cuteness <laughs> um now as far as cards within uh the tcg lapras like I, I i sent you a pm with this lapras is very what's the best word for it they aren't getting any love I should say, I should say not any love. They aren't getting the love that it deserves, in yeah. my opinion. Um, we don't have an altar. We, I mean, we got like GXs that. I mean, most of the GXs are kind of if looking. Same with the rainbows. Actually, the best art for Lapras isn't even on the hollows, in my opinion, because I think the, the Lapras from Fossil is uh, is very underwhelming. Um, now, I think that the best art of all the Lapras is actually. The um, L LP fifty eight, uh, which is basically from the Heart Gold Soul Silver era of promos in Japan, you could win this at uh, some of the tournaments in twenty ten. It was the only way to win it. Um, it became a promo, and in English, that's probably one of my personal favorites. It's either that one or. Uh, the one from where's the one with Misty? Uh, Unified Minds with uh, Misty in the background. It has a, a rainbow. It's like Lapras uh, swimming away, and it has Misty's waving by or whatever in the background. Like some of Lapras's best art are the the common cards. I think they're very underwhelming anywhere else. And honestly, I want them so bad to have an alt art Lapras. Oh my god. I would probably not, like, I, I know usually my, my rule of thumb is, like, wait a little bit. 
I don't know if, if I could wait. Like I, I've been able to wait with with, with the RCSV, but like a uh, Habris Altar, I don't know, man. Like I don't know if I'll be able to to hold off for like eighteen months. I, I might be able to, but uh, yeah, Tell. like fi- finally give him some love. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Uh, I did like Lapras for a long time. Never made my favorites, but yeah, always a always a cool one for sure. But. Well, I guess that about does it for our top six then, huh? So let us know what you guys think in the comments or shoot us a DM or PM or anything on our socials. And uh, how do your how does your team stack against ours? Or do you have some of our similar favorites? Or just let us know. Join the conversation. But I uh, guess that's about it. And with that, we'll go into the questions section, I suppose. So let's head on over there. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> all right. So the question portion of the podcast. We got a couple questions. If you guys have questions that you're wanting to send in, leave them in the comment, shoot us a message on Instagram, comment on our post, and we might feature your question on the show. But uh, I guess... Your question kind of relates to the to the news topic that we had before the main discussion. So uh, you want to do yours first? Yes. So what I'm going to ask you is, are Radiant cards the new Amazing Rares? And will they have value in the future? So this one's really weird for me. I think yes and no. But it also is very based on how they've treated the amazing rares. So I do think that I think it's kind of obvious that it's, you know, the new amazing rare. This is what we saw with the amazing rares. You know, they were kind of sprinkled into the sets and they were really good cards to go after, but I think they were a little more common to pull than people thought. Um, you know, they weren't an amazing ultra rare. They were just an amazing rare. So I think it kind of makes sense that they were kind of common, but collectability pretty much wishes that they were a little more harder to get with the, uh, radiant cards. I'm not sure how that's going to line up, but it seems like they're a little more chill with it. And maybe that's why they scrapped the amazing rares after a few sets. Um, Maybe they were just kind of off on how rare they should make them. Maybe they're pretty hard to make with the glitter hollow. I don't know. Um, But yeah, I think they definitely are the new Amazing Rare, being the Radiant cards. But I don't think they're going to follow the same path. Like hopefully we see them kind of, you know, within a little more of a lifespan than the Amazing Rares. But uh as far as their collectability, I hope so. Like I almost many times in the last couple months, um, you know, at least three or four times, I thought about buying the Amazing Rares because they're so cheap. I mean, they're ridiculously cheap, even graded. So I might buy loose copies and just toss them aside just because they're cool to look at. I I really like the Jirachi and the Reku, just how they look and how they're you know, more symmetric than some of the others, but 
you have the radiant cards. I'm liking even more than the amazing rares that we've had. So we'll see. Well, what do you think? I I was just going to say that there is clearly a distinction between what the English radiant slash sparkling cards are going to be like and what the Japanese radiant cards are like. Um, so we we mentioned this before on some of the other episodes, but or the radiant cards are, are absolutely stunning. I mean, they go by both the sparkling, radiant, whatever. Yeah. I'm gonna use them. I'm gonna use them interchangeably. Uh, but uh, uh, no, it's like hu- we humans inherently just like like shiny things. It's one of the reason why, why we like gold, why we like silver. That's why people collect coins. Well, why we collect shiny cardboard. It's just it's just in human nature. Yeah. Now, if, when you have that basis, and then you include as a collector shiny Pokemon in these cards, I mean, it looks like I mean, it's almost like you're buying a a jewel. Is the only thing I I can really really relate it to. It's like, oh, okay, um, you have this beautiful artwork, and then we're going to surround it with this stunning, sparkling material that if you get it at the right pictures it looks like you're gonna be blinded by the light i mean that's how that's how stunning they are in my opinion i already bought all all the ones i could up till this point <laughs> yeah uh they're, they're 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 on they're on the way from japan i got two of the sparkling ninjas and i also got the heat train i got the halucha i'm gonna get the gardevoir when it comes out um so i i'm already collecting them like i don't usually i try to hold off on modern but these i love so much i had to buy them now i mean they're pretty good prices too i was like i think it was like 45 dollars i got for everything with the two greninjas and the e-train and all that so i was okay with with that price especially since it was coming from japan uh and i think they will have a lot of collectability in the future now as far as volume I mean, they're not going to be worthless. I, I know that, uh, but don't expect something like you know the first edition Charizard value. Like that's just not going to happen. the The scarcity is just not there. It's uh, not as rare as that as, for example, the first edition Charizard, especially in high in high grades. Uh, but again, people are going to be grading these items so they're in their, in their Japanese products. So they're generally, they made from better stock, better quality, so in high grades, they're going to be more common. Maybe not so much in the CGC 10s. That that might be a little bit more difficult. But I think you're going to see a lot of people send these off to CGC to be graded. Yeah. I think the biggest factor is just how easy they are. Yeah. Like, kind of the counter-argument to Pokemon buying the Millennium Company is like, Collecting in modern isn't going to be the sealed products anymore, but maybe buy the alt arts that are like really cool key cards that are, uh, you know, actually hard to pull. They, a lot of older collectors don't really chase the whole set of newer stuff, but they might buy like if out of the last three sets, if they look back and there was one key card that stood out that everyone was talking about, like that's the card they go for first. So to me, it's like the alt art evolutions. Like those cards are iconic. That's why they're more expensive now and why evolving skies is so popular. Cause they don't really 
care to buy the whole set or they don't care to buy, you know, fusion strike or stuff like that. Any, any type of strike alt arts, um, or battle styles is what I was meaning. They would rather just skip ahead a set and buy that because it encapsulates the alt art era and they know their money is in a good spot. So it just comes down to the print run. Yeah, my question, uh, I had a little simpler question this time, but a lot of people, you know, back in the hype asked me, well, like, what, what's it going to take to sell or whatnot? So now that I'm in more of a selling mood than I was, you know, back then I honestly kind of wish I would have sold more. I did sell a lot, but I wasn't selling to like make money. I was just selling to buy other things like kind of recycle Pokemon money like I do often like I'm doing now but uh, a lot of people ask me like what what would it take to sell so now I've been kind of thinking about that again now that I'm in the selling mood so that's kind of the question what would it take you to sell whether that's an amount of money or if that's a goal or kind of a little bit of both like would you sell everything would you sell some things and keep certain aspects or like what's your thoughts on that like what what would it take you're saying like if somebody gave me an offer of like twenty five thousand right now i would probably take the money uh, but you know my collection is like only worth like maybe fifteen thousand so i mean obviously i would i would take the money and run and then i would just rebuy everything and i would still have all that all the extra money but if you um, had to if it meant that like you were using the money for something else, I guess. Like you couldn't just take the money and buy the cards back. Like basically if this happened and you decided to collect again, you'd be starting from scratch without a large sum of money. Like how much would it take? If I like sold, I well, I see I, I couldn't, the thing is I couldn't sell everything. Like I, one thing, some things that I can never sell are cards from my childhood. Those I'll never be able to sell. Uh, but everything else, pretty much, if the price was right, I, I absolutely would. Um, and then yeah. I would obviously come back and I would buy it. But yeah, I, I would say, I mean, if somebody would give me twenty thousand, I mean twenty twenty five thousand, that's basically enough for a down payment on a house. That would be hard to deny that change of uh, lifestyle. Um, and it, it would be worth it for something like that, in my opinion, because at the end of the day. We're collecting cardboard. Real things do still matter. It's great to enjoy this hobby. It's great to partake in it. But don't forget what's most important in life and what should be prioritized. Yeah, I think that was part of it for me. Like I'm looking through that lens more now because we're kind of doing a a job thing, like a job change, my wife and I. And then, you know, the only debt we have is our house, actually. So... It's like really got me thinking like, okay, like if I somehow paid off the house and like, which was pretty realistic during the hype, you know, it's like, well, it's like, should I just do it? And then like, we'll just be living it up in our little house for the near future. And then it would really leap us forward and stuff like that. So like that's kind of what I'm pondering now. So 
I've kind of made this shift of like realizing like, yeah, I'm just collecting cardboard and my goals now aren't really to have certain cards in my collection, but it's like get my collection to a certain amount of worth to where like I could really contemplate that decision again. Cause you know, now that we know what it became, I think we're going to be back there at those prices, whether it's next year or 20 years from now, eventually we're going to work our way back up. That's how every craze has went. You know, we overshoot and then there's a correction. I had cards go from like a thousand dollars to $20,000 back down to like $6,000 all within a couple of years. And, uh, it just really opens your eyes when you're flirting with those ideas. But, uh, because when you have that life-changing money, it's hard to realistically deny that. Because yeah. if you know how much that heck could change your life, you, you don't say no to that. I and mean, then, you can still you can still enjoy the hobby for not even if you don't have everything that you did have. Like that—that's kind of how I see it. Like everything, almost everything in my collection has a number, especially when it comes to the graded materials, the stuff that I'm more particular that I don't think I could sell would be my binder collections and at the end of the day that's what I will have when I'm when I'm old is the binder collections a lot of the graded cards not a guarantee they are not a guarantee that I will have those besides the ones that graded from my childhood yeah it comes down to me like if I'm if I was faced with that decision today or like if we went back to 2020 and like you know obviously if I knew then what I knew now but I think it would have had to gone a little higher for me to sell because I was just starting to think of it at the peak of the hype and I didn't really give it too much thought because I could kind of see that it was leveling out. So I'm like, all right, I'll just, I'll just ride it out. I don't care. But I also bought my cards like so far before that, you know, even at the lows of all lows, a lot of my stuff quadrupled in value pretty easily. Um, so it's just, I don't know, it was a hard decision for me because I'm like, well, I might not get these back if the hype just keeps going, but you know, I, I really believe in it long term, So I'm just happy just waiting and enjoying the cards that I had from my childhood and stuff like that. Cause if I did do something like that and I bought them back 20 years later, like it's not the card I had 20 years ago. So I know either me selling now and buying them back later or me just holding them for 20 years. Like, I believe that situation is the same thing. So that's kind of why I was leaning more towards that. But Yeah, I mean, if you give it enough time, like, that's what I would do, too, is, like, a lot of my graded stuff I actually am okay parting ways with in due time because the way I see it is I held the card at one point and I mean, I will take photos with it. You know, even, even if I have to before I sell it, especially if it's a prize part of my collection, because at the end of the day, the, the, the grading service authenticates these cards with their, with their grades. And there's some things that what's most important is really what you think of the card and not what grading services think of the card. Yeah. Like if your card is lightly played and you're meant, then that's fine. You don't have to get it graded. I mean, now it, it comes to the point where obviously, like if you're trying to sell it, there might be issues, 
But if you plan on having it for decades without selling it, I mean, that might be up to your descendants or whoever that remain once you pass to try to sell it if, if they do. But, you know, m- my hope would be that somebody in the family would carry on my yeah. collection and they'd become a, a part of theirs. That would be that's the idea for me anyways. Yeah. And I'm also faced with a lot of decisions like like I have the complete first edition base set jungle and fossil set like all loose so i'm like well (laughs) i really need to grade these because it's not convenient to like grade all these uncommons now but it's like do i sell the first edition like non-hollow sets just to grade and like focus my collecting on the hollows because i don't really care to have like the whole set of the non-hollows like the hollows are or like the smarter decision but so that's kind of what I'm faced with now. Like I could sell my non-hollow first edition set and like not feel too bad because that money would roll right into grading all my hollow first editions and maybe buying better versions of those first editions as well. So I'm like rolling that money into better things that are essentially the same but also worth more and will perform better than what those would. So... I might look at doing that in the near future. I don't know, but it's all about me catching up with my goals. Like I really need to grade a lot of stuff. I really have some binders I want to finish. So yeah, it's like, do I sell lesser graded stuff to grade my higher stuff? Do I sell the graded set card to roll that money into something else and buy an ungraded one for my binder? I just got a lot of strings pulling right now, but yeah, all about prioritization, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of what led me into shaving down my collection this time around. So I'm I'm just being as optimized as I can be. Yeah, it sucks selling a PSA 9 Umbreon of my favorite card, but I'm going to have a binder copy of it, and then I could roll that money into other goals and get them done faster. So just crunching everything, essentially. Yeah. But... I guess that does it for the questions. Um, I guess our game this week is going to be, I almost like calling it, um, who's that flavor text? Kind of like who's that Pokemon? But Yeah. So basically, we both picked a card prior to recording, and we're going to say the flavor text, which is just a little descriptive text, not relevant to the TCG at all, just kind of adds flavor to the card. And we try to guess that Pokemon. We're kind of only doing key Pokemon, key cards, maybe heavily Gen 1, 2, maybe 3. But uh, who should go first? Got I'll go ahead card and picked go out? first. Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, what what so, difficulty level is it? Uh, so it doesn't really stick to some of your parameters, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, oh. we'll, we'll, we'll give it a, a 6.5. Okay, <laughs> but uh, CGC six point five or you no, know, it'd probably be a EGS six point five. So, oh, okay. Uh, oh yeah, so it's a little bit lower in quality. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the extension and contraction of its muscles generates electricity. It glows when in trouble. A muscular electric Pokemon. Is it in Gen 1 or 2 or 3? 
I'm thinking no. like electric, like the electric dog. Am I saying that right? Yeah, it's not him. Oh, it's El- electric is how electric, I pronounce it. Yeah. yeah. Um, is it electivire? It is not. <sighs> I thought I was close on that one. Uh, you might have to give me another hint. Is it like a, a legendary or mythical? Because we're staying with the same theme, I'm going to tell you which set is it, it, it's in. Because uh, we've I mentioned it several times today. Uh, the Platinum Arceus set. Platinum Arceus. Hmm. Thought I would go thematic with my ch- uh, choice this time. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm trying to think. Like, I don't frequent that set in my research very much, but trying to think. I collected back in the day for that. Platinum Arceus, what they... I mean, is it the electric Arceus card? The AR card? It is not, actually. I knew that'd be too easy. Yeah, that's <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking, too. They, I almost did the AR5, but uh, it pretty much gave it away in the, the tail half. So, What about Luxray? Is that your final answer? <laughs> yeah. It's Shinx. Ah. It's, the secret, it's the secret rare Shinx from that set. Oh, the reverse shiny? <laughs> the, sh- the shiny, yep. One of the, that was one of the first uh, shiny Pokemon. Obviously, they did uh, Gyarados, too, but that was one of the first shiny Pokemon that they really did in, in their sets. I used to have all those cards, and they actually went up pretty much, uh, pretty decently, even before the hype. But uh, I think there was 12 of them, but there was only three in each set back in the day. And they were kind yeah, of, they were really easy to find because people just like, oh, it's a reverse hollow. But yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they're oh, not, they don't, you, you wouldn't think they're secret rares in that set. You got the Ponyta and you got the Bagan as well. All, they're all shiny, also. So, yeah. Well, Luxray, I just thought of because he was like in that gen, and he's one of my favorite Pokemon. He, you know, obviously was a honorable mention. So, it, yeah, uh, I didn't quite like. I didn't quite do the first two gens, but I know you're familiar with Shinks, so that's why I went with it. And because of of the uh, Platinum Arceus set, I'm pretty familiar with the the English version of it, anyways. Um, so I thought. We'll see if you get this one or not. Yeah. So I get a half point, maybe. <laughs> For getting the, the line right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so the one I picked, it was... Um, yeah, I had one that was kind of hard. And then one that was... It could have been hard, but it was kind of easy because it gave some hints okay. away. But I went with a little harder one, but it... I got some pretty easy like hints I can give you if you need them. But all right, all right, here it is. Almost as if it were being controlled by something else, it never changes expressions, even in the middle of a battle. Something that has a stone face appearance. Um, let's see. It's not Gengar, is it? No. Gengar's pretty expressive. 
Yeah, I know. I was just trying to think. Um, doesn't change expression. I think the first sentence kind of is the most important part. So All right. Almost as if it were being controlled by something else. It never changes expressions, even in the middle of battle. Is it a, is it a Mr. Mime? No. You're you're warm on the on the guesses. Yeah, that's the first one I thought about, Mr. Mime. You're warm on both the guesses. Almost like you had some some foresight. Uh is it a hypno? No. No. Very warm again. <laughs> well, I mean, that can mean a lot of things. It's psychic tight. Like, like it's you're almost telepathic with these guesses. Oh God, you're you're doing a hint right there. Uh, <laughs> telepathic is it Alakazam? It is Alakazam. Oh, I finally got one! <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, I was like, oh come on. I was, you were warm because you were guessing all psychic I, you know, Pokemon. I, I almost should have said, I mean, you said control something, and obviously that led me to believe uh, some sort of psychic type or like ghost type. But uh, that was specifically the Dark Alakazam from the Team Rocket set, drawn by Ken Sugimori way back in the OG Watsi era. Okay. So, but. Love the artwork on that card. Kind of hard to tell. It's a hollow because yeah. it's a pretty dark background. But Yes, it is. But uh, I guess that's pretty much all we had for our game in the game corner. So wrapping up the episode, guys. I mean, pretty solid. Love doing episodes like this where we can just casually talk about topic. Um, for our next episode, which will be two weeks upload date from this one which is on sundays around 6 p.m every other week we're looking at the morality in pokemon and kind of like doing the right thing or some bad things that 2020 has brought on um kind of talking about the money game in pokemon now and some bad practices and how to maybe avoid those things um it's just a yeah. lot of lot of shade. With a lot of money comes a lot of shadiness and scamminess and morality, ethics, and yeah. just overall bad business practice. Uh, we're looking at you YouTubers with their mystery boxes. Yeah. Not to name any names, but everybody knows exactly what I mean when it comes to the mystery boxes, and that's one of the facets we'll discuss. But obviously, not the only one. Yeah. Bad investment turn <laughs> deal in mystery box forum. Yeah, there's mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of weird stuff out there now, and a lot of questionable things. And now I think, you know, maybe it was a good decision for some people back in the hype, and a lot of those plans have kind of been spoiled, and maybe it's making them make questionable decisions now. You know, we're kind of. In the downtrend of a hobby, I, for one, love where we're at. And I think we've kind of stabilized and, you know, we're in a buyer's market. But a lot of people who spent some big money might be struggling a lot more than you think. And uh, definitely leads to a sketchy area in the hobby, which didn't exist for the longest time. 
And uh, that's kind of what I want to touch on. It's like, what did it used to be like? You know, I collected and even did YouTube early 2010s. And uh, it's just crazy, which you'll hear about, but it was crazy the trust level of the hobby, like literally doing trades over a YouTube video comment section and <laughs> message box and like you're just trusting people just to send the card and it yep. worked 90% of the time. Yep, a lot of good stuff that we, we can go over for sure. Yeah, so that's kind of what I'll touch on on my end, but uh should be a nice episode, just like this one and every episode. So thank you guys for watching, and we'll catch you in the next one. We'll see you all next time.